Hello, and welcome to a special episode of Cooking Through the Collection. My name is Melissa, and I'm a librarian and home cook. I do a lot of research when wanting to expand my repertoire of cooking, and so I've challenged myself to walk through the stacks of my library's cookbook collection and grab some things I've never tried before. So let's see what we've selected for this special episode. This is a barbecue-themed episode, so I had to bring in my husband. Actually, it was his idea for choosing this cookbook. So welcome, Chris. Hi, Melissa. How are you? Okay, don't don't be this awkward. We live together. <laughs> you know me. I just like to make things a little more awkward sometimes. I apologize. So when did you start trying to make barbecue at home on your own? Well, I once knew a coworker that liked to make pulled pork. So I started off just making pulled pork in the crock pot. It was just a pretty simple recipe. You take a pork shoulder, you put in your favorite barbecue sauce, and then you let it cook on low for a long time. But after a while, I, I, you know, I had Famous Dave's, which makes barbecue, and it was kind of the first time I've ever had barbecue. And I know it's a chain. It's not authentic Southern barbecue, but I really thought, okay, this is interesting. This is good. I like the taste of this. I think I can do this at home. So I went out and I got a smoker and I made pulled pork in the smoker and it came out really good. And I got even more compliments than I was getting when I was making it in the crock pot. So from there, I just decided, you know what, I'm just going to make this a thing. I'm just going to start smoking all sorts of different meat. And I have been able to be the lucky recipient of your wonderful barbecue. But I know that on a recent work trip, you got to go to Franklin Barbecue in Austin, Texas. How was the barbecue? People say that is one of those destination places. It absolutely is. And I can't recommend it enough. If you're in Austin, Texas, you definitely should make the pilgrimage. For me, it was an easy decision. It was literally two blocks from where I was staying in downtown Austin. So I didn't even go to the hotel. I got off of the airplane and had the Lyft driver take me to Franklin Barbecue. And I waited in line for about 90 minutes which really isn't bad. They say that it's like sometimes it could be a two to three hour wait. Yeah, I've heard that people have chairs, they'll offer you drinks. Even people pay people to sit in line for them. Yeah, and I, I was able to luckily grab a chair because it was, it was a little overcast that day. It was slight drizzle, but there was cloud cover underneath the overhang. So I got to stay dry in the rain. I got a nice place to sit. But you get to meet some interesting characters in the line. And then you let them know well before you go in what you were looking for. So that way they can make sure they have it prepared for you. I got a quarter pound of brisket, a rib bone, and I also got their bourbon banana tart, which unfortunately you would not have been able to try even if you were there. Yeah, no no thanks. But it was really tasty and I really enjoyed it. It was the best barbecue I've eaten out in my life. And the brisket was just on a whole other level of any brisket I've ever had before, including mine, which I'm pretty proud of my brisket. That brisket was so much better than mine. Episode's cookbook is Franklin Barbecue, a Meat Smoking Manifesto by Aaron Franklin and Jordan McKay. The cover looks like the most amazing tray of food ever. Did it look like that somewhat when you went? That's exactly what it looked like. All of the barbecue there looks amazing and particularly the brisket. Looks like there's jalapenos, which I don't think you mentioned. Hot links, which you said you regret not having. Ribs and then the brisket, coleslaw, pickles, which I think are really important with barbecue to kind of cut through that fat, and then everything. So what gravitated you towards this book? I think someone got it for you for Christmas, right? It was a birthday gift from some coworkers of mine. And what pulled me towards this is that 
they were the ones breaking me out there for a work event or a work trip out to Austin. And they heard me talking so much about how much I wanted to go to Franklin Barbecue. So they surprised me right before our trip. They got this for me for my birthday. Yeah. And we also have it in our local library. It's a lot of places as well. This is a very popular place. So how approachable do you think the recipes are just at first glance? They're very, I, I don't consider this a daunting cookbook by any means. If you've never smoked anything before, or even if you have, I think it's a good way to level up your cooking. The, the first few pages aren't just recipe books. It goes into the process of smoking. So it's not just where you just go to this page and you start working on the smoke. There's a lot of information on how to build a smoker, for example, or how to build a fire in your smoker once you have that. Now, that's something I cheat on a little bit. My smoker is a gas-powered smoker that uses wood chips, and this goes into a lot of using actual wood fire for your smoking needs. And we're working up to that one day, right? Exactly, yeah. I'm not quite at that level yet. I'm still, you know, I, I still consider myself a above beginner, perhaps. The brisket recipe starts on page 147. Okay, so let's get started. So the brisket is out and you're going to be doing the rub now, right? That's right. So the first thing we do on cooking through the collection is we wash our hands. Yes. So let me wash my hands. We have a beautiful brisket waiting for us in our tub. We have a little special tub that I use just for smoking projects. Instagram encourages to buy them, right? That's right. Yeah. Instagram's listening to you. And sometimes you, you can listen back. That was okay. It's a little early for that. Then getting the AI meta stuff. So I know that you do have a specific method to what you put in your rub. So what is in the rub? Today's rub, we have three tablespoons of ground black pepper. We have three tablespoons of Papa Joe's salt. And we have one tablespoon of super fine sugar. Let's talk about Papa Joe's salt a little bit later, since it's probably got a story behind it. Our brisket today came in a gigantic vacuum sealed bag. Yes, a giant vacuum sealed bag from the Amish market, our Amish butcher. They do wonderful work. So I'm just gonna take that out of the bag right now. And try not to drop it all over the floor. We apologize if you hear our cat. She is confused that we are wide awake at 5.12 in the morning because that's not normal around here. No, it certainly is not. And I think we're both struggling a little bit, but you know what? That's part of the barbecue. You have to get up early for the craft. Usually if you stay up really late into the morning hours to do it. So why is it different this time? I'm trying a new method. I'm going to try cooking the brisket a little bit warmer than I usually do. I'm cooking it at 275 degrees instead of keeping it below 200. The reason for that is I was reading the Franklin cookbook and that was his method and I'm trying his method today. Right now I'm just drying off the brisket as much as possible so that way I tend to find that the rub will stick a little bit better when it's dry. In the Franklin cookbook, there is a rub recipe. My rub recipe does differ from that a little bit. My rub recipe has sugar in it. And Texas barbecue typically is a little bit less sweet than regular barbecue. Personally, I have a sweeter palate, so I put a little bit of sugar. But other than that, it's, it is very similar to the Franklin recipe. Aaron Franklin does encourage people to build their own rubs. And he offers suggestions. And he does tell people that there are people that like to put sugar in rubs. He personally does not. But 
people should do what they feel comfortable with. So that's what's what good. I, there doesn't sound like he's gatekeeping in the same way that some barbecue cooks can. Yeah, no, he's very open to people doing things their own way. But although he does offer opinions on other things. Hey, Samin. As he said, Samin, our cat, is like, what's going on? This is weird. You're both up. What's happening? Am I being put into a cat carrier? The answer is no. No, you have free room of the house today. So now I'm just rubbing the brisket. Did you use super fine sugar for this? Yes, I did use super fine sugar for this. The reason I like to use super fine sugar in rubs, it's typically used, I believe, in coffees and teas. Cocktails, too. Oh, and it's using cocktails. Okay, I did not know that. The reason that I like to use it in rubs is that it dissolves quickly into the meat. Typically, I usually rub overnight, but Aaron Franklin did suggest rubbing an hour before you put it on the smoker. So, like I said, I'm doing things a little bit differently than I usually do just because it's the Aaron Franklin way. And I do see the benefit of putting it on at this point in the cook rather than doing it earlier because it's going to draw less moisture out of the meat. It smells very peppery here. He was doing a lot of pepper grinding last night. And whew, it's it's such a simple rub compared to like what you do for pork or ribs. Yeah, my pork rub, I think, has like 10 or 12 ingredients. This, I mean, there are other things in the Papa Joe's salt. I think it's garlic powder, right? Yeah, it, it, so it's a little bit more complex than even just the Aaron Franklin recipe. Although Aaron Franklin does say you can put onion powder or garlic powders. Uh, I think they're, he's a fan of those things, but his rub typically is salt pepper. Papa Joe's salt is kosher salts, plural, sea salts, plural, black pepper, and garlic. And it says on the front of the label, Papa Joe's salt, the southern salt. My husband's dad's nickname was Papa Joe, and so this is an integral part of any recipe that you use it. Yes. So I'll just finish up this rub. It's looking nice and coated on our brisket. Like I say, you gotta risk it for the brisket. Okay, so we'll come back when you're putting it on the smoker? Yeah, we'll come back when we're about ready to put it on the smoker, which will be in about an hour. So we're back, and what are you doing? I am putting the temperature probe in my brisket. I'm one of those people that does like to keep an eye on my temperature as it goes. Some people don't like to do that, but I personally find it very helpful. And this is one of those fancy probe sensor thermometer things that one goes into the meat that you're cooking. The other one does the air temperature, right? That's correct. There are lots of cords and cables going around. We're going to hear a lot of beeping. I'm just going to stick the probe into the brisket. (laughs) Into the thickest part. I know that much. The point is the part that everybody really likes. It's got the most fat. It tends to be the most flavorful part, so... Could you need me to help carry this while you go? Yeah, if you could help, that would be great. Okay. We are going to head outside. Yeah, I didn't mention this earlier, but we are smoking over oak wood today. I was wondering what you were going to choose this morning. Yeah, the best brisket wood tends to be oak. It's a hardy wood. It's a strong wood. You can't just use like a fruit wood or something like that on a brisket. You need to use something that can handle a stronger smoke. Why not something that some people might think of for Texas, like mesquite? Mesquite tends to be too strong. You don't want to get something that's going to overpower the flavor of the meat. You want something that's going to complement the flavor. And oak is strong, but not so strong that it's going to overpower the meat. Like hickory is about as strong as a wood as I think I would ever use for any smoke. 
Okay, so we're putting it into the Camp Chef Smoke Vault. And it is a gas smoker, right? What What's the yes. advantage of the gas smoker? This is a vertical gas smoker. So what we do is on the bottom level, we have a heating element that is powered by propane. And over top of that, we have our wood chips. So the burner powers the wood chips and lifts the smoke into the meat. And over top of that, uh, I have a water pan, which is used to collect the drippings. And it's also used so that way it keeps the smoker full of moisture while we are cooking. So we're going to open smoker up? Yes, it's going to be smoky. So if you cough, I apologize. We are up to temp and the brisket's going to go in. Close the door. Then how long do we wait? Well, we're going to have a couple of different phases here. For now, we're just going to let it just smoke for two hours. Okay, so we'll be back in two hours. Yes. Okay, and we are back, and it's been about two hours, right? It's been two hours. What we're doing now is we want to do our first check. I'm going to add some fuel to the smoke box so we can get a little more smoke out there. And I also want to check the color of the brisket. It's cooking a little bit faster than I anticipated. I think that might be just due to a bad probe placement. I might mess around with the probe a little bit, but let's take a look and see what we got. Okay. It's got a nice color, which we like to see. And the beeping is just telling us that he opened it. He's basically the equivalent of, I opened the oven door. Did you buy these online or did you buy the oak chips somewhere locally? Well, they're actually a Christmas gift, but they were ones that I did request. I just wanted post oak. For pork, I would usually use pecan, sugar maple, peach. I've actually been using peach a lot lately. That's become a favorite of mine for smoking pork. But for post oak, we got those online. You usually can't find these chips at your local Home Depot. They usually tend to keep the more traditional flavors, your cherries, your apples, hickory, mesquite. So you have to kind of special order these. Okay, so what's the next step? We're going to come back in about an hour. I'm going to probably play with the probe adjustment at that point just to see where we're at. It's saying we're at 177. I think that's a little higher, and I wouldn't be surprised if after playing with the adjustment that it's a little bit lower than that. We're hoping to eventually get this to 203. It's going to take us a while to get there because it will stall. I always tell myself during this cook, if it's cooking too fast, you got to calm down. It's going to stall. It's going to stall because I'm always afraid this is the one time that it's not going to stall. But brisket always stalls. Okay, we're back. I can see that the air temperature is at around 278 and the brisket's at 178. Yeah, I adjusted the probe, so I want to try to get it more towards the center. So it's slowed down a little bit, which is what we want. We don't want it to cook too fast. We're trying to break that down as, at a good pace. We don't want to go too fast, not too slow, just right. Because if we take it too slow, we won't be eating dinner tonight. That would be bad. I noticed, too, we actually have more smoke now. So I guess refreshing it was really important. Yeah, we want to make sure we're refreshing. At this point, I'm going to probably refresh it about every hour. I don't know if the meat's going to be getting a ton more smoke at this point, but the bark will be getting some smoke. So we want to make sure we're keeping that to get good color on the brisket. And good texture, too. Good texture, yes. Okay, so you also said you're going to give it a little bit of a mop? So, yeah, we're going to, this is going to be the first application of the mop. I'm not, and by mop, I do have a, like a literal miniature mop for those who are not familiar with barbecue. But I'm not actually going to use it to touch the brisket. What I want to do is I just want to make the outside of the brisket a little moist. And I also want to take a look at the color. We're trying to darken the brisket as much as possible. We want to get it to 
like a dark brown slash almost black color. Last time I checked, it was like a light mahogany. So we're getting there, but it's not quite where we want it to be yet. So that's what we're gonna kind of, we're gonna take a look at the color, see where that is. And you might hear some church bells in the background. It is Sunday, so church is going on. So uh, yeah, we're gonna take a look and see what we got. Okay. It's starting to get that dark mahogany look. You can hear because the smoker is open, uh, the temperature is dropping in the smoker. So we wanna try to get it out as much as quick as possible. So I'm getting a little bit of mop on there just to moisten it a little bit. What's in there again? Just water and vinegar. It's a very simple mop. Like white vinegar or apple cider? White vinegar. It's white vinegar and water. Just just to make it a little moist. It's not going to add a ton of flavor. So is that you said that helps with the bark? Yes. It just keeps the bark a little moist. We got a lot of smoke now. Woo. Yeah, I'm not going to add any chips actually this time. Just a little bit more water? Yeah. We want to keep that as high as possible. Okay, so we're at a good pace right now. We're at 178. I'm just going to wait for the smoker to get back up to temperature so I can go back inside. We'll check it again in another hour. Maybe at that point, I'll add more chips. If we're getting good smoke, I don't see the need to really play with the chips too much. So, yeah, we'll check back in another hour. We are back outside. Chris has brought out some butcher paper and a pitcher of water. So what are we looking for now that you're looking in the smoker again? We're gonna look for color. It's been a few hours. We just wanna see what the color is a dark mahogany, almost black. And I'm anticipating that because about an hour ago, we were pretty close. So let's see where we're at. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. That was a good unison. We're right Do you need to hold the door for you? Yes, please. Okay, so there is this beautiful mahogany slash black brisket. I can say that five times fast. On the rack, he's using the gigantic tongs that I got us for barbecuing year or so ago and he's lifting it off of the rack. I'm getting out of his way and getting it onto the center of the paper. He did pretty good on that. We only dropped one thing and it wasn't food. Right. We don't want to drop food. No, don't drop food. That would just be sad. He's now putting the rack back into the smoker. Close the door. Pull the paper over top. He folded it up halfway across the brisket. Now you're going to roll it. Okay. I want to be a little bit off center of the roll. Since we're Put paper on, holding it on itself so you can make it nice and tight. We're gonna fold on this side. So we kind of did a one end roll, rotate it up over, folding in the other end. It's gonna be rotating it over again. Yes. This is not easy for an audio podcast, is it? <laughs> no, it's, I'm finding that this is, we're learning as we go, right? Back on the smoker. I'm gonna hold the. Thank you. So we can plug that back in. Okay. So the way this probe thermometer works, as I said, you know, it's got an air temp and a meat temp. I'll drop the air temp back in. The air temp goes through the top open vent of the smoker, so you have an idea of what the temperature actually is because you don't want it exactly too close because it will get hot fast. Right now the beef is at, okay, it dropped a little bit while we were wrapping it, which is to be expected. We took it away from the heat. It's at 183. It had been at 189. I expect it to climb back up to 189 pretty quickly. Oh, I wanted to check the water levels too, so that way we keep a humid environment in the smoker. And we'll close the door. It will take a few minutes, but our temperature will eventually get back up to speed. But I think we're in good shape now. This is the part where we're just taking it down to the final step, which is going to be hot boxing, which I'll describe in our next section. So we're back. 
We're now in a stage that's we found out was pretty important before. I actually found an article on NPR about the benefits of doing this part. So you want to explain it to people? Yes, what we're doing now is we're hotboxing the brisket. What this is, is that we're going to take the brisket. I'm going to wrap it in a towel, in an old beach towel that we no longer use. And what I've done is I've taken a cooler, which I've helpfully written brisket on the cooler. And what I'm going to do is I heated a pot of water so I can make the brisket a humid environment. And now I'm going to put the brisket in the cooler. So that way we can keep the brisket warm while it rests and keep it in a nice heated environment. I'm going to fill it with other towels that are not going to be wrapping the brisket just to keep the cooler insulated. Here we go. Because of the way that it's situated, it's tightly wrapped, so I don't want to unwrap the brisket. So well, it's hot. We want to keep it nice and, and we're good to go. Okay, we're going to transport it 90 minutes and then we'll cut it and see how it goes. Absolutely. I'm thinking it's going to be very good. Now we're going to be switching roles. I'm going to be doing a lot of the talking. And Melissa is our cutting expert because she went to culinary school. So she actually has knife skills, unlike your humble barbecuer who has no knife skills to speak of whatsoever. I don't know if that's accurate. I'm a culinary school dropout. I've told them already. But you are also really good at cutting stuff, at least compared to me, because you can... I, I see something like a tomato and I slice it and I'm going, oh, one slice, two slices, and you just go pop, 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 pop. Well, okay. So we have had it in the cooler. Okay. I'm lifting it out of the cooler directly onto the cutting board. You don't have to put it that close to me. This is like, just, no, what I was going to say is this, I'm just saying this is like the swan reveal. Like if you remember that TV show, The Swan. No. Hot. It's, it says you're supposed to do it when it's not too hot to the touch, and it's pretty dang hot. That whole cooler method is very effective. It does keep it very warm throughout, and so we pulled that off of the smoker almost two hours ago, and it's still remaining hot to this point, so. And so I read through the Franklin cookbook that it was much more comprehensive about cutting. The thing is, though, I should be able to hold it, and it's still so hot that I don't know that I will. Paper. You want me to take, you want me to. It's so hot. That's the problem. See how much steam is still coming off? Chris. So we just took, I just took a picture. We'll post that picture afterwards, but take a look at it. It's, that's a nice looking brisket. I think that's exactly what we want that brisket to look like now. Okay, when I was reading the five pages of how to cut brisket, I, you know, talks about orientation. The main thing at the end of the day with brisket is, well, with any meat is to cut against the grain. So it's shorter fibers, so it'll be easier to chew. And it was actually talked about how some places that serve brisket serve it so thin, like deli thin, to hide that it's tough. Also said these first bites that have the most bark are usually reserved for the chef or the first people in the line at a place. Chris actually had been to Franklin Barbecue and can vouch that that line can be quite long. Yes, it's, and it's definitely worth the wait for sure. So I'm going to be cutting these. Very, oh, it is hot to the touch. It did say to have a little bit cooler, but we're okay. It's been resting, so we're making thin slices against the grain. This knife is the Victorinox. It's a slicing knife. It's seriously, it's like probably about 14 inches long. It's really good for cutting through meats. I say that we use it for the three Bs, brisket, bacon, and brownies. 
Oh, I didn't know you ever said that. So, okay. Well, that's that's something good to know. So, what I learned, you can put it back towards me now. What I learned is that Franklin doesn't separate the point and the flap until you get to the point of that where you're cutting that. So, because it helps keep moisture in. So, I'm going to keep cutting and we'll be back for the taste test. Can't wait. Okay, so we're going to try a first bite. You do. You did have one tiny little bit, but it wasn't, you know, a full yeah, bite. This is a full bite. And it's a full end. Hmm. Huh. No, not to get chewing noises. No, 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 not on the podcast. You got to say anything? Hmm. Any words yet? No, he's still chewing. He's still chewing. Big bite. Well, you did that to yourself. So was your first bite, was it lean or fatty? It was a fatty, it was a burnt end part. It was good. The brisket is tender, but the bark... We left it on there for a little bit longer. It got a little bit more smoke on it. It's got a little bit more depth of flavor to it. I'm really happy with how this turned out. Okay, anyone else have opinions at the table? I will second that the lean is very, very tender. Very tender, but it's still moist. It's not like it's dried out or anything. And you've had previous versions of this brisket. How do you think how it ranks? Ranks high? Very high. My dad is serving up a whole plate of food. We also admit he snuck a piece too, but... We all snuck a piece because it, it was really good. Too good looking. Okay, so it's not a full reveal, but... Yeah, we have different kinds of salads. All of them have a vinegar base to help cut through the fattiness on this piece of meat because it's definitely rich. Can't eat a ton of it without not feeling great. But it looks like you were able to slice it very well, too. It she sliced it beautifully. Apart. It didn't fall apart like it usually does. Thank you. Well, the it's the fattier right. size that really does that right and it had the advice of kind of like holding it tighter while you're slicing it which makes sense so it can't wiggle and shred as much and i think that trick helped good trick thumbs up did you get um, any fatty or only lean got a little bit of fatty, fatty right yeah. it is so good i have a favorite side now the fattier side because it it works really well it's kind of melts in your mouth also you can shred it so i feel like you can eat a little less of it that is flavor i've heard that before that is flavor so I think everyone is happy with their meals. Happy. Delicious. Have this is the first time I've had your brisket fresh as opposed to... Frozen and reheated. It's a different experience. So, okay. What a nice brisket. Thank you very much. I, you had asked for this about a year ago, and it was something that I've been meaning to deliver on, and this is like the perfect window to do so. So happy we were able to make this happen. So what are your final thoughts on the brisket recipe in Franklin Barbecue, a smoking meat manifesto? This recipe definitely helped me become better at what I do as far as making brisket. I've made good briskets and people have often told me your brisket is so good. It's, you know, it melts in my mouth like butter. And I always appreciate that. And then they'll say that's on the same level as my pulled pork, which I've always considered to be my specialty. That's what I do best. I make pulled pork. I put my pulled pork against anybody's. I've never felt that way about my brisket until this brisket. This brisket was quite a bit better than any brisket I've ever made. I really, I, I think some of the instructions on looking for color rather than doing it by temperature helped me develop a much deeper taste profile in the bark. The bark was the best bark I've ever made. I will agree. That bark was so on point. I was really happy with how that came out. So. I think this definitely helped me become better at making a smoked brisket. 
So even though we already own it, if you did not, or if you were making a recommendation, would you borrow it or buy it? Well, I think that depends on whether or not you have an interest in outdoor cooking. I think if you're just looking to understand a little bit more about the process of smoking meats, this is a borrow. I mean, if you're not going to actually cook these things, it's it's not going to be. But there's a lot of interesting things about how to build a smoker or what Aaron Franklin's process is. And then I think that's interesting, even if you don't intend to actually smoke a meat in your backyard. Now, if you have any intention of preparing some smoked meats, definitely buy it. This will help you become better at what you do. I, I've been doing this for over 10 years now, and I really feel like this helped me become better and leveled me up on my brisket for sure. And I think that it'll do the same thing for you. Well, thank you for letting me in on this process because I've always been afraid of the smoker, afraid of even starting it up, setting the house on fire. So I really appreciate you getting to spend the time with me and we get to do an episode together. Well, thank you for joining us on Cooking Through the Collection. If you enjoy this episode, please consider subscribing. You can visit the website for more information at cookthecollectionpod.com. Also check out the show notes for more information as well. Follow me on Instagram or Facebook at Cook the Collection Pod. Thank you so much again and happy cooking.